Welcome to the IonaHoops.com podcast with your host, Guy Flotico. Greetings, Gale Nation. It's season two, episode 16 of the IonaHoops.com podcast, and we've got a jam hat episode of stuff to share with you. We've got recruiting news, Mac realignment stuff, and of course, recaps of not one, not two, but three more Mac wins for your Iona Gales. We're also welcoming in Eugene Repay from the Journal News to talk about the Gales season thus far. And we also hit on two hot topics in Iona social media circles these days, at large chances, and whether Iona should be active in this latest round of NCAA conference realignment. But first, we align on some Iona Iotas. Iona Iotas. Surprise! Iona got a pair of 2022 commits seemingly out of nowhere, at least for the fans, as Miami, Miami preps Haswe Grulon and Colin Howells verbal to the Gales. Grulon is a 6'5 guard originally from the Dominican Republic. He had offers from UTEP, Austin P, Arkansas State, and Samford. He's a pure scorer, and as you can see from these highlights, he can score a variety of ways and has unlimited range. Howells is a 6'9 forward in the mold of Van Eyck or Slazinski, pick your player. We talked about Howells a few episodes back when I had offered him. He has no, had no other offers because he's so new to the U.S. out of Australia. But you can see he has a nice outside shot and also a good handle. These two are not as highly rated as some of the commits we've seen. Rick Bettino and company land at Iona, but these highlight reels do show that the skills sets that they're bringing to Gale Nation fit the Bettino system for sure. Welcome aboard to our Miami prep duo. Iona, Iotas. Farewell, we hardly knew ye. It was announced Tuesday that Monmouth will be leaving the MAC for the CAA after this season. Although the move is mostly motivated by football, no question Monmouth's facilities and location make the basketball program a nice add for the CAA. So does the MAC stick to an even 10 teams or expand out to 12? Judging by the Iona message board and Twitter, lots of varying opinions on the matter. Earlier today, Rich Enser addressed the topic on a Mac Media Zoom call. Uh, well, we've been uh, reviewing our membership now for about six months, ever since um, you know we finished up with a review with Robert Morris. and We still wanted to get to 12, 12 but Robert Morris just wasn't the right fit at the right time. So it's kind of been ongoing. Uh, I think our immediate plans are still to get to 12 and then see what happens with membership. But uh, we, we want to maintain a fairly high number, um, both for competitive reasons, but also because of membership reasons within the NCA structure. Rich, do you see a scenario where you, uh, after examining a bunch of candidates, you might just say, ah, the heck with it. I think we'll just stay at 10 teams. Well, it depends on, you know, what the shift is completely guy. I'm not sure that it's, uh, it's settled what number we'll have left after membership realignment uh, takes place. Um, I don't know that we would stay at 10. I think m most of the coaches would like a 20 game schedule if they could have it in conference. They have problems getting home games against non-conference opponents. I know uh, Rick has a different you know view of it. He tries to go out and play the best opponents he can. Uh, but um and he's not that concerned about uh, the guarantee money. But uh, many of our schools have to go out and earn a few dollars for the institution as part of their deal. So they're already giving up a few games non-conference-wise for that purpose. And then uh, 
uh, if you can't get home games, it really makes it very difficult for the coaches because as we know uh, 60% of the time, the home team wins games. So uh, historically the conference coaches as a whole have wanted, you know, 20 games uh, in the conference schedule if possible. Personally, I like to get to an even number because then we don't have to deal with bye weeks. Um, it also makes the TV scheduling a little bit easier. Uh, but uh, if, so it could be 12 in my, in my world, but that's not necessarily what's going to drive this final decision, what the number is. Well, Iona fans have been talking about just how good this Iona team is uh, online, all over the place, message boards, Twitter, what have you. And the test never ends. Iona travel to Quinnipiac this Sunday and host our rival Siena uh, on Tuesday. But what does Rick Pitino think about the Gales thus far and how they've done? During today's Mac Media call, Coach talked about the progress of the team, and I asked him how he would grade the Gales thus far this season. How you doing, Coach? Uh, Two-part two question for you. If you could assign a grade for Iona's performance up to this point in the season, what would it be? Uh, and the second part, what element of the team are you most happy with so far, and what element needs the most work? Well, I, it's funny because I send an email out to our boosters all the time after each game, and I told them now on a one to 10 scale, I would grade us a five to six. And we are looking to get this team come much to an eight to nine. Uh, but we have a lot of work to get it to that point. Um, I think if I had to grade our basketball team, it's the execution in the final five minutes of the game, both offensively and defensively. But we have a long ways to go. Nellie Joseph is, is just scratching his potential and he has a long way to go. He still is not where I'd like to see him. Uh, certainly there are guys on the basketball team like Quinn Sulinski has to, has to create more with the, in the passing department. Uh, Osborne Schemer is just coming back off an injury. He's getting better and better. So there are so many parts that have to get better, which will make the whole tough come, come much, but look, we're, we're life and death with a lot of games here. And that's, that speaks of the strength of the Mac conference. Uh, last night, you know, that Monmouth could have won that game just as easy as we won it. It's uh, same thing's true of the two Maris games, the Fairfield game. Um, it could go either way. So uh, the execution in the five final five minutes of basketball games that we've played have been terrific. A national TV audience. In the MAC, that means Iona versus Manhattan. Coming off the tough Fairfield game, some folks wondered how the Gales would respond in this spot. And the answer, very well. Iona jumped on the Jaspers early and led by as many as 21 before emptying the bench and settling for an 88-76 victory. For what seems like the 100th time this season, the Gales had another unstoppable force on the other side of the court as Manhattan's Jose Perez piled up 27 points and further stress lingered from a good part of this one as Nelly Jr. Joseph was in foul trouble seemingly, seemingly from the opening tip and played just 11 minutes in this one. But the Gales got great support off the bench by backup centers Osborne Chima and Trey James, who in 26 minutes combined for 11 points, four boards, and a block, and many other altered shots. Meanwhile, Tyson Jolly paced the offense with 16 points, and he had six assists to lead four Gales in double figures. And we also saw Barrett Jean-Louis impose his will in this one with six points, nine rebounds, three assists, and three blocks. 
The Gales found the perimeter game in this one as well, going 7 for 15 from deep, but the free throw struggles continued as the Gales made only 55% of their 38 free throw attempts. But the defense never allowed the Jespers to get going outside of Perez, and Iona cruised to victory in this ESPNU broadcast. A couple of familiar trends around Niagara this past Sunday as Iona controlled the Purple Eagles throughout 78-55. to First, Osborne Shimo is at it again. Very good play with 9 points and 4 boards in 12 minutes. Spelling Nelly, who was a monster on the glass with 15 boards, but just couldn't get the ball in the basket all day. The Gills were solid again from 3, hitting on 41% from deep. But Iona again wasn't making those free throws, just 59% as a team this time out. And that Iona defense was getting it done again, holding the perps to just some rough numbers from the field. More similarities with Friday's game? Jolly led four and double figures again with 17 points, and Barrick was everywhere again with 10 points, seven boards, four assists, and three steals, all while harassing Niagara star Marcus, Howard, Mar Marcus Hammond to a 5 of 16 shooting day. So Iona held serve at home and need to win home games comfortably to maintain those net and Ken Palm numbers and the Gales definitely got it done in this two-game homestand. This was the game that college basketball world, well, those that care about Iona and the Mac anyway, had circled as the game of the year in the league, the game Iona could most likely lose in the league. And without a doubt, this was a heavyweight bout of the two best teams in the league. Standings be damned. Iona nudged out to an early lead and was able to maintain it going to halftime despite losing both Jolly and Jean-Louis to foul trouble. The Gales asserted themselves when at full strength in the second half, though, stretching that margin to as high as 10, but the Hawks, behind uber-aggressive on-ball defense, repeatedly scrapped their way back into the game over and over again, it felt like, and even surged ahead late. But Elijah Joyner came through at a clutch three, and the teams were headed to overtime. Joyner dropped in five to open the extra session, and the Gales were able to ride that out to the one-point victory behind the veteran point guard's career-high 24 points, and yes, finally, a good day from the free throw line as a team. So this leaves Iona at 15-3 overall and 7-0 in the MAC. How good can the Gales be this season? Iona beat writer Eugene Repay from the Journal News joins me now, and we cover this and so much more. Well, normally I've been bringing in guests to help us preview our opponents. So we're bringing in uh, journalists and, and other writers who cover our, our, our the Gales uh, foes. But uh, here we're, we're keeping keeping it home. And uh, we're bringing in Eugene Repay from the Journal News, uh, who's been on the Iona Beat uh, this season and, and past seasons. Eugene, how long have you been at the Journal News now and how long have you been covering Iona? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, I've been with the Journal News for the last three years now. Um, and I've covered Iona during that time. So Trey Arnold was my baptism uh, to the Iona program that season um, with Cluis out. So it's it's been three years now, very different uh, since then. But yeah, so far so good. Yeah, and 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 of course that is something we have in common. Uh, those who have known me for a long time know that I too used to be a sports writer for the Journal News way back when, and even covered Iona way back when as well. Uh, so, uh, we have that in common. I, the new newspaper industry is so different now than it was then. I mean, uh, of course there was no social media. I would have had a blast, 
being, <laughs> being a newspaper. I mean, I cover high school sports and I would have had a blast with the whole social media aspect and just getting to relate to fans and all that. And uh, so it's, it's really cool. Um, uh, um, give us a little more about your quick, uh, your history uh, as a professional sports writer. Uh, it's, it's been going now for about six or seven years. Started off with Villanova in the Big East. Uh, I still do cover the Cats from time to time when I can, as well as some Big East teams, except for St. John's. They're not doing so hot right now. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, I've covered everything from high school sports to the Knicks and everything in between. So it's just a fun mix of opportunities and, and things to cover. Yeah, and, and you said you came on during the Trey Arnold uh, one-year run, and that was obviously a very tough time to come on. Uh, but you, then you were here for the Patino era, so you kind of struck gold there. Uh, and then going into this year, the excitement among my own fans and, and even people who, who covered the program, you know, just a lot of optimism, a lot, a lot of high expectations. Give me your thoughts on uh, what, how you feel Iona's non-conference schedule went on the whole. I mean, I mean, we have the Alabama win, and then you have the, the heartbreaking loss of St. Louis. Um, about what you thought, maybe a little better than you thought. Well, what did you think? It's interesting. I think they did about as well as I thought they would. I don't think anyone, or at least myself, I didn't expect them to beat Alabama, but I also didn't expect them to lose to Belmont the next day. But I don't think as crushing as the Belmont loss was, I honestly think that the, uh, the non-conference schedule was a great one for Iona. To just start off with that winning flavor, six straight, a couple of close wins here and there, and then that kind of set the tone for the rest of the season because the, these guys have been dogs. They've been able to pull it out in late-game situations. Sure, you would have loved for them to beat Kansas, but they hung in with a, one of the blue bloods and best teams in the country. And that Belmont loss was tough, but we haven't really seen that team, that Iona team from that night. They haven't really collapsed in a shape like that since then. Yeah. And uh, they've obviously been able to carry through some of the patterns that we saw during the non-conference of grinding out close wins, even, you know, in, on the very tough Mac road run. I mean, even these are, you know, you're seeing teams like Fairfield and Marist and everybody else. And, you know, that was, it's league play. Uh, league play on the road is always an adventure. Uh, what do you think about the Iona's performance on the Mac? Are you surprised that they're still undefeated at this point or not really? I'm not really surprised that they're still undefeated, but I am surprised with the way that they've been able to keep the streak going. I don't know about you guys, but when I was there at Fairfield and just the way that Jake Wojcik and the, the Stags and the way that they were shooting, I wasn't sure if they were going to be able to pull it out, but they always seem to find a way, which is the theme for the season. And whether it's, you know, down 10 or down whatever it may be, as Elijah Joyner put it, you know, Gale time's winning time. And I thought that was one of the greatest things I've, I've heard this season from him. Last five minutes, that's when they turn it up. And so far, no one in the MAC has been able to beat them. Yeah, and, and yeah, that Gale time is, is going to keep being a theme as long as they keep finding ways to win these games. And last night against Monmouth, uh, they didn't really perform quite as well down the stretch. They certainly got a little help from Monmouth, who made free throws all game long and all of a sudden decided to start missing them. But you know, good teams make plays down the stretch. Yeah. Iona did. Elijah Joyner was ridiculous, uh, and he picked a good time to be ridiculous. Um, what do you think about last night's game? Monmouth surprised me. I, I know you mentioned it before, and road games are always going to be a fun adventure. So I guess you can't – you never know what's going to happen. And also the Iona-Monmouth rivalry is always just such a big one. But this was not the team that we saw that got smoked – by Marist from over the weekend. I 
was uh, a little surprised by Monmouth, but I was really pleased with the way that Iona was able to squeeze it out in overtime. Elijah Joyner has been really turning it on over the last couple of weeks or so. And he really pulled through for his team. And for Iona to get that road win over rival and one of their last meetings together in the MAC, I mean, that was a fun one. And what we've seen from this Iona team, and we talked about how they keep finding ways to get to win, is teams are attacking them in different ways. I mean, you saw Maris had a certain game plan. Mammoth just wanted to, like, throw two guys at whoever had the ball uh, in the perimeter, and, and that worked well and, you know, messed up Iona for a while. Uh, it even took uh, basically took Nelly out of the game because they couldn't feed him. You can't feed him if you're sitting there beating, trying to beat double teams. Um, this makes them so much fun to watch. Uh, how far can this team really go this year? What do you think is going to happen the rest of the way? I expect another MAC title regular season uh, and tournament, but that's kind of I don't want to say it's expected, but it's kind of what the standard's been. I'm really curious to see what the NCAA tournament brings. I think that's kind of what everyone is hoping and waiting to see. But you got to take care of business first, one game at a time. And, and so far, Iona has been able to do that. One of the things that I've liked throughout this season or throughout this undefeated stretch in MAC play is just the way that they've been developing the bench guys, and it helps having guys get healthy. Ashima obviously, has just been a great story, but – He's been providing some great minutes these last couple of games with Nelly Jr. Joseph either being in foul trouble or just not being able to get into a groove. And I've been pleased with what he's been bringing. Dylan Van Eyck is obviously a great utility weapon, kind of jack of all trades, adds everything off the bench. And then Ryan Myers has been kind of coming on and Colton Cashaw. Really excited to see how this bench depth continues to develop. And yeah, and that's the other thing. I mean, they're going to guys like, I mean, Colton Cashaw at extended yeah. minutes, and he's like the 12th guy in the rotation. And they didn't, I mean, yeah, the offense probably suffers a little bit with him out there, but defensively, they didn't miss a beat. Um, oh, no. That's, I mean, it makes them so tough because of the depth. They just have so many guys to roll out there who are just know their roles, and it makes them so effective. Um, I'm not, all right, I will put you on the spot. I don't know if you'll, you'll take the bait, but I'll try. Will Iona go undefeated in the regular season in the MAC? I'll say no, just because that's mathematically just so hard to do, regardless of what conference you're in. Even if you're Gonzaga, sometimes you get stunned once in a while. Okay, fair enough. But you, but you also you do expect them to uh, to win uh, in in Atlantic City. Yes. Yeah. Regular um, season then in Atlantic City. All right. Let's let's throw some scenarios out there. It's been a hot topic lately. Uh, um, I, and on Twitter, it's been, I've been in many arguments on Twitter about this in the last couple of days. I own at large chances. Now it's still too early to say, I own, does I own lose one Mac game this season? Do they lose three? Who knows? But let's assume that they put together a pretty solid profile. Um, is this team at large worthy based on what they did non-conference? I think so. Obviously the Seton Hall game, you, we would have loved to have that, regardless of the result. That you, you need an opponent like that in your schedule, whether it helps bolster your resume or just helps you become more grizzled experience-wise. And that was a tough one to lose, especially just because it was COVID-related and it was out of Iona's control and Seton Hall's control. But I think non-con, they did enough. And also, if they continue to just crush it in MAC play, they definitely are worthy of an at-large bid. I know it's been a hot topic. I have seen you. <laughs> uh, debate people on Twitter, but I do agree with you. I, I think that if they keep up the way that they've been playing and just this trend that they've been putting together, how can you not have them in the at-large conversation? Yeah, I think I, the people who have been quickly dismissing it are a little crazy. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I even went to an extreme thing. So you're telling people, and people are still arguing with me about it. So if I owner ran the table in the MAC, got to the MAC finals and lost, they'd yeah. be 31 and four with probably a net in the 50s, maybe even a little better. Uh, certainly a, a Ken Palm in the 60s, maybe, or sounds about right. And, and that's a tough team to keep out, you know? Uh, and, you know, and, and I, that I feel like very comfortable that they would be pretty safely in, uh, you know, you want to say they lose a game or two during the season. I think it depends on who they lose it to, you know, you can't, you know, you lose to Monmouth who's still going to be probably in the top 125 most of the season, unless they tank now, uh, you know, they continue to lose. I don't know if they will or not, but if, if they still stay in that, you know, tier two, uh, quad two, uh, you know, they're, they're not going, that's not a bad loss. Even if mom is going to come into my own and win, it wouldn't be the worst loss in the world. Now they can't go to Canisius and, and, yeah. and lose and they can't, you know, it depends on who the losses are to, but, and the other argument's been, uh, I've been hearing from mom, the fans saying, well, mom in 2018 or what is that? No, 2016 didn't get in, but mom, that team lost, lost four Mac games, three of which were uh, two of which were the teams in the, 237 or worse and one of those losses was to double digits and they lost to army which was like number 257 that year i mean yeah, yeah they had tons of great wins but they had some bad losses to equal that out iona's been very steady keel you know their 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 non-conference schedule i think is top 40 right now and in, in ken palm overall yeah. yeah they don't have a ton of huge eye-popping wins but they've won <laughs> they've won yeah. all the games they're supposed to win basically uh right now the only losses they have are the teams ranked ahead of them so um, I still feel really good about it again, unless they start stumbling on a regular basis in the Mac, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but I don't anticipate that. This team seems very focused and barring injuries as I knock on wood, uh, I think that they have a great chance. Uh, but again, the goal is to win in an AC. Um, it's also not impossible either. They did it in 2012. Like they got the at-large bid then. It's not, out of the realm of possibility. I know that some people kind of think like, oh, uh, these smaller conferences can't get at large bids. It's, it's happened before. It's not impossible. And obviously this resume this year is more impressive, I would say, arguably, versus 2012. Just getting the Alabama win alone was huge. Yeah, and not only that, it's just you keep hearing about the parody in college basketball and nobody's dominant and all of this. And yeah. You, you know, do, do you – I mean, it's just – if there, I mean, I, I'm, of course, being a mid-major guy – I always say, give the mid-majors a shot. We all feel that way, I think. And, you know, that's kind of what makes March Madness special is seeing little schools get a shot. And I'd still, I always will rather see a mid-major get a shot over a 500-ish, uh, uh, yes. you know, top six conference type team. So um, let's go back to Monmouth for a minute. There's some big news in the past couple of days. Uh, Monmouth leaving the MAC. Um, some thoughts on that, you know, what they meant for the Mac and all these years, even though they never got to represent the Mac and the NCAs, but the impact they've had on the league and what I own it, what, what the Mac does from here. Uh, what do you think? Yeah. Monmouth leaving. I, I know that it had been kind of thrown out there a little bit, even before the news was official, kind of a, a tough loss just because they they've had such a great rivalry with Iona. But I also know that Monmouth has other sports that, for example, I know they're big on football, and the CAA is a great football FCS conference. So they, I could see that they did what they had to do. What the MAC does from here, it's it's tough. Uh, have you kind of are there any teams or schools that you look at and it's like, wow, I would love to just add them. 
I'm one who would like to keep it at 10. Where you need even 10, uh, there's, I don't see a reason to go up. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've seen some other people suggest, well, you do it for security reasons, just in case somebody else leaves and all of a sudden you're at nine. Well, oh my God. Uh, so you want to go to 12 because it's a safer number. But who are you bringing in? Is it going to improve the profile of the league? You know, it's hard to say. I mean, there's, there's who, I mean, who do you add? I know there's, there's been mumbling uh, that Hofstra could be interested, but I, I don't see that happening. I mean, why would you take a step down if you're Hofstra really? Uh, um, and, and, and they don't really fit the profile of a Mac school. So some people have thrown around Bryant and uh, NJIT. I've even heard Lemoyne making a jump and coming to the Mac, you know, from D2. I, I don't like it. I'd rather stay at 10. Uh, it makes more sense to me. And we'll see what happens there. Um, let me get your thought on something else here. Uh, another thing that's been thrown about, and this always happens with every mid-major that does really well. Um, what do you think? Mean, yeah. I've been asked several times. You know where I'm going with this. I've been asked several times, hey, shouldn't I own a look to jump up and go to a bigger conference now? Uh, you know, hey, they're, they're too good for the Mac. We should move up. And my counterargument's always been finances and that the entire I own a sports program has to move them on, not just basketball. Uh, any thought on, that you have on that? I'm glad you brought this up because I was actually very curious with how you felt about all this. And unfortunately, I, I totally agree with you. I think money is definitely the biggest factor when it comes to these. And people don't realize how much is at stake. Like you mentioned, you know, it's not just basketball or it's not just football, whenever these conversations pop up, it's the entire program. And, and that, that includes everything just from, you know, all your different sports teams, but also, just travel, travel expenses. I don't think people realize how expensive that is. And also, you know, stadium upgrades and venue upgrades and things like that. So it, it might be tough for Iona. I get it. They, they've been doing pretty well since Rick Pitino came in. And obviously he brings in a lot to the, a lot more buzz and excitement to the program. But in regards to moving, I don't see it being plausible, especially in, in the near future. Um, but maybe in time, if they just continue for the next decade or whatever it may be. But for right now, I, I think the, the talks about moving up might be a little too preemptive. I mean, it, to me, to me, I mean, if you go to the, if you go to the Atlantic 10, for instance, you're basically tripling your travel budget and you now have to triple pretty much every other budget you have just to keep pace and raise the profile of all the other sports teams. And then there's the other side of this is, you know, eventually Patino is going to leave. Even if Iona promised him we're going to the A-10, he's not going to stay for 10 years and coach here. He's still yeah. going to leave at some point. So what do you do after Rotino? And then, you know, then if you don't bring in somebody who's a home run higher and gets it done, then you're a bottom feeder in a bigger conference. Is that worth it? I, I've always felt, no, I'd rather just be where we are. Um, and on the other side of that coin, too, is there's so many examples. And you could talk about LaSalle and Fordham, where they've done oh, yeah. so little since they've left. I mean, LaSalle had a couple of great sweet, sweet 16 runs, but, you know, Fordham's done absolutely nothing. But not only that, think about the schools that left the CAA that went to bigger conferences. I'm thinking of Old Dominion. I'm thinking of George Mason. Have you heard anything about them since they went up to bigger conferences? I mean, and then you look, flip it around, and I'm going to go very extreme here. Gonzaga stayed in a smaller conference and built itself up. And the programs around Gonzaga built themselves up. And then the league became more attractive to a point where a BYU was, you know, I, you know joined it. So, I mean, that, that's what I'm hoping happens is that, you know, if Patina does stick around and we stay in the MAC, that other programs can elevate us. And there's no reason why Siena can't elevate itself. 
Uh, Fairfield has the facilities now, and uh, Quinnipiac has the finances and the facilities. These programs should be elevating you know, around Patino and around Iona, and it can become like the WCC as opposed to, hey, we should go to a better conference. You know, that, that's the way I feel about it. Yeah, and the, the Fordham example is just a classic one. LaSalle is another classic one. I was curious, too, you know, where would people want to go? And I, I know you brought up the A-10. Is that really that big of a jump up? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it, but you still, bottom line, if you're in the A-10, you still have to be in the top third just to be in the running for an at-large bid. Is that really yeah, going to exactly. improve, improve us that much? I mean, you know, and again, this is an extreme year for Iona. We don't, even all those great years under Tim Kloos, uh, you know, our computer ratings were never that high that you can say, well, we were, we're an at-large team, you know, in the A-10, you know, these three or four years, if we didn't win the, the conference, I, I don't know if you could say that. It's so hard to say. So, uh, you know, and I'm not, you know, if, if somebody came around with a whole bunch of money and said, yeah, I'm going to fund this and we're going to jump up. Great. But no, you know, the people who are already funding Iona athletics are, are already, have already done their part. Uh, unless yeah. somebody new comes along, they're not going to ever have the money to do this. And again, it's it, 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 the only, if, if Patino comes out and says, I'll stay here another 10 years. If you go to the A-10, do you do it then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. But he's not going to say that. And, and he can't guarantee it even if he did say that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to me, I, I think the max where Adam belongs, I mean, we, we don't have the facilities to move up in conference. We don't have the funding. We don't have the fan base to move up in conference. We're, 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 we are where we belong. Um, and I hope the max stays at 10 and uh, we're going to find out more in the coming weeks here, I guess. Yeah. T- 10 is a good number. Obviously if the, the school or the, the team that you would consider bringing in is, is a, perfect fit then it would make sense like for example in the big east they were at 10 for a while but then uconn comes into the picture and it's like oh, okay you know maybe we will go to 11 for uconn that's worth it for the <laughs> mac you know if they can find a, a team like that or a school like that <laughs> right that can you know it just fits the profile of a mac school then okay maybe consider it yeah i mean that's I mean, if LaSalle wanted to come back you know that that's that's a good ad you get the philly market back and all that yeah uh, it, it has to be worth adding. You can't just, I mean, Wagner's been pretty solid for in the NFC for NEC for quite a few years, but they're not going to raise the profile of the league. They're just not. So I'm not sure if, if that's a worthy ad. So I don't know. Well, we can go on and on and on about this. Uh, time will tell where it all lands, but uh, I appreciate you coming on and joining us. This has been fun. Uh, it's going to be a fun ride these next, this next month and a half with you uh, watching these gals uh, and uh uh, hopefully we'll be in Atlantic city together, uh, watching a, another title. Yeah, hopefully. Thanks for having me guy. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks again to Eugene Repay from the journal news for joining me here today, man, what a run for Gale nation. It's been stressful as a fan, but it's also been a blast. Keep joining me here to enjoy the ride with me. Thanks for listening and go Gale. Thank you for listening to this edition of the IonaHoops.com podcast. This podcast is a production of IonaHoops.com and its publisher Guy Filatico. The opinions shared during this podcast are those of Guy Filatico, IonaHoops.com, and any future guests. This podcast is not affiliated with Iona College Athletics or the college itself. Thank you for supporting IonaHoops.com.